Hi, and welcome to MentorCore. If you're new here, we're a community focused on helping people in the security, risk, and compliance fields grow their careers and leadership skills through mentoring. You can find more information about MentorCore at mentorcore.biz. I'm Dan Ayala, along with Lisa Beth Lentini Walker. Now, on to this week's discussion. Welcome back to another MentorCore podcast. We are excited to be here today with Katie Hanahan. I first met Katie through Clubhouse, where we are co-moderators of a group called the Fireside Chat, which is really focused on uh, talking about talent in the information security and related professions. And I have to say, I am totally fangirling here because I absolutely adore Katie. So before I go into what I think is so wonderful about Katie, Katie, welcome to the show. And also, tell us a little bit about you and what got you to where you are today. Yeah, I mean, so much. Um, I, you know, I've mentioned my my story before. You know, it's it's aid worker turned, um, you know, cybersecurity professional, <laughs> and it's like, how did that happen? And um, for me, um, it, it actually is all very much tied together. Um, working in with Afghan refugees in Pakistan um, in the late uh, 1990s. Um, before I went to college, um, made me then major in military history. I was very, very interested in being a diplomat. I was going to go into international law, um, had a whole plan for my life, as all people do when they're 18 years old and full of ideas. And um, that's the other thing that, you know, I even tell my own children, by the way, I have three children, they're 20, 17, and nine. Um, and uh, I'm often talking to, you know, them and their friends about, um, you know, what their plans are for their life. And I think it's reassuring to them to know that, the plan that I had when I was their age was completely blown up, but I guess it turned out, out okay when they look at, um, you know, the life that um, I've created and the career that I've created. And, um, and when I say I, I should say, you know, again, uh, with in line with the um, the theme of this uh, podcast is that, you know, I had a, a ton of mentorship along the way, but uh, when I came uh, back, I majored in military history for that reason, wanting to go into that field. But what happened was I, like most people, got done with my undergraduate uh, degree, thought, well, maybe I'll take a year off, a year or two off um, before I go to law school, get some money, you know, make it a little bit easier on myself as, um, you know, I go into that period of my life. Um, and what happened was I, I literally interviewed everywhere for a sales job. I thought I can, I can do that. I used to work in restaurants. I can sell, I can sell stuff. Right. I ended up the only people who would hire me was CDW. Um, CDW is a large, you know, kind of value added reseller at the time they were not as big as they are now, but um, they happened to have a department of defense uh, division that they had just started. Um, that was 2004. Um, so they thought, oh, military history. And, oh, you've lived in that area. That might be interesting, you know, I guess we'll put you on the DOD team, you know? So that's where I ended up working in, um, you know, IT sales. All of a sudden I knew nothing. I knew nothing about anything IT related. Um, I am a musician as well, by the way, in my spare time, there was no part of me um, that knew anything about anything IT related. Um, but working with the military, I had to learn very, very fast in terms of, especially at that time in 2004 and leaning into supporting the mission, supporting the warfighter meant that a big chunk of that is how does the warfighter in a forward operating position communicate securely back. Um, so 
I had to figure out how that worked, what that meant. Um, I had to align myself with partnerships um, with large, large companies like, um, uh, you know, Northrop Grumman and Lockheed Martin and the large system integrators and, and be able to supply them with materials and uh, integration that they needed at a commercial off the shelf level. So when I say I was working with satellite communications, does that mean that I, Katie Hanahan, was designing satellite communications programs? Um, you know, when I was, you know, 25 years old? Absolutely not. What I was doing was working in support of that broader mission. And that's what made me think, huh, this is fascinating. I never really thought about how somebody would have to do that, even from a video telecom scenario where you're, you know, you're Air Force One, uh, working for a company at the, the next company I went to after CDW, where we had a, a contract with the White House communications office, where they, we had two people on Air Force One and I, you know, running the secure telecom. All of that was fascinating. And I thought, I can do this, I can do this. And I was continually the only woman at the table um, during that period of my career, um, particularly in the military um, from, a, uh, from the integrator side. But what I loved seeing is at that time, there were a number of uh, female leaders within the military um, that, I, that were at the table um, as well. And that made me think, okay, uh, you know, it's what you, you, know, you, what you see is what you think you can become. Um, you sit at the table with uh, a, a colonel, a female who is running a you know three billion dollar program for the military, and you think to yourself, "Wow, okay." I mean, that's that's something that, and, and we're having a conversation, and I'm holding my own. How did I get here? You know, I had those moments um, all throughout my career, um, and and in working with the military, I think that that was the first time I thought I'm going to stay in in this forever um, because there is a broader mission here, um, and, and I loved being a part of that. So that's why when I talk about the aid worker to cybersecurity journey, um, it's a theme that I hear from a lot of my peers as well that there's still the, just this um, desire innately in us in the cybersecurity industry to uh, want to do the right thing, want to make things better for the broader world. And as I moved through the startup community and I moved through my career um, working with large enterprises, you know, why I geek out on email all the time and some of my other clubhouse rooms when we, we talk more um, strategically about cybersecurity hygiene is because um, email is the way we communicate with each other. That's the way that companies communicate with me as a consumer. That's the way businesses do business. Um, there are, you know, that's a, the, if you can fix something like that, it helps an individual human being, whether that's someone's mom or whether that's, you know, a large healthcare organization um, who's communicating with their clients and they need to, you know, they need to trust that email coming through. That drives me um, and that makes me feel fulfilled in this industry. And along the way that I picked all of those things up and uh, from, from amazing mentors that, you know, maybe founded that email security company or, um, or provided me the opportunity opportunities to be able to to really lean into those types of um roles that's that was great. a little rambly perhaps but. no it's it's wonderful and it actually it actually sparked a question um around we there's a lot of you know for this, it, it, we live in two worlds one out of one or two sides of our mouth and one side we say we don't have enough talent in the information security space and the other side we say we find all the reasons not to hire people <laughs> um, and, and, you know, so you've made, this is actually something I keep hearing people who are in sales, 
especially in, you know, that are doing things related to security and sales, want to make the leap over to practitioner. And there seem to be walls that come up between people for people when trying to make that leap. We see all these kind of silos, same thing going into higher ed, leaving higher ed. I want to be an architect or I want to go do infrastructure and applications. You can't make these jumps. But that's one that I, I hear a lot more and more people who have gotten to know and love the field through sales roles, through SE support roles, uh, but want to make the leap into in-house practitioner. How did that go? And, 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 and I guess thoughts and advice for people that are thinking about making that kind of leap and how to approach it to, with success in mind. Yeah, you know, well, one of my mentors told me once, uh, get comfortable being uncomfortable. Um, that was something I had to do. Even leaving the DOD space after eight years was a big leap. I understood yeah. that if I if I don't leave now, I will be in the DOD space forever because it's such a specialized field. Um, I'll probably be in sales forever. Um, and I wanted more, uh, I wanted more hands-on um, practitioner type experience. So it, it is just being, it's being comfortable, being uncomfortable. It was, it was incredibly difficult to say, I give up all of the people that I know, all of the partnerships that I have, because uh, I, I don't know if you know a lot about the, the sales side, but the way it, it was then, the way it is now is that a lot of those relationships that you have with the, the Cisco's of the world or the, you know, crowd strikes of the world are on the one-to-one -one basis in the field. So that would be the Department of Defense, you know, person that I would have been working with at Cisco. Still in touch with all those people, by the way, but we don't work together anymore because they're so siloed within these large organizations in the um, cybersecurity space. So um, that I have to say, uh, you know, a girl who moves to Pakistan by herself at 17 usually is someone who has a little bit of gumption as well. So I, I did have to um really plow my way into some of those things um i also i really do believe in the you just start doing the job and eventually someone will give it to you kind of situation <laughs> yeah. um because i you know so when i was working for um uh, an email security company i talk about that one a lot because i did have a ton of mentorship there patrick peterson was um, the ceo and founder of that company um he truly gave me a seat at the table um with some of the the industry leaders uh in our space um and uh, it was, you know, what an amazing experience to have that kind of mentorship. But when I was in, in a company like that, that's in a, a high uh, capacity, uh, high speed growth mode, um, I it was so close to R&D for the first time. Um, I remember going into the office and, um, you know, being the, 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 I was in sales again at that time. So the sales rep from Chicago comes in um, and I was running like the middle of the country, 18 states or something. I was always on an airplane, the puddle jumpers. Uh, I was in Minnesota a lot, actually, Elizabeth. It's too bad that I, I don't still have that job. Uh, Those are but, the people who get diamond platinum and I applaud because oh you made it the hard way. Well, from segments, not from miles, because exactly. I mean, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it was just these little segments. <laughs> and, and, and I was, I would always kind of think to myself on a hard day, if I'm like getting on a plane in, in Akron, no offense to anyone from Akron, but your planes are small that fly to Chicago. I would pretend I was flying private because you walk out onto the tarmac and it's a little plane. I'm just like, flying. DAK <laughs> is a little airport. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness you have a good imagination. I mean, I can, I can imagine like, some of my, my daughters like, putting on their little tiaras and getting on the, the plane saying it's all mine. It's TSA at Akron Canton is your own personal escort. Oh, well, it is. there's like five people just standing there helping you get through. It feels very concierge, you know, yeah. like 
they must have to have so many people because it really did feel like a concierge moment. Uh, but while I was doing the, you know, the, the puddle jumper uh, stage of my career, I was that much closer. And I was, I, what I was starting to say is going out to the, the corporate office and saying to the, in, the interns like, oh, oh yeah, you, um, you're Katie Hanahan. Wow. You know, um, so great to meet you. And I'm like, hey, young intern, where do you go to school? He's like, oh, I'm finishing my PhD at Stanford. <laughs> thinking like what you know how is it that I ended up you know and by the way I went to a wonderful school um but it wasn't Stanford and so for me to um you know not only not I was actually a, a past him already in his career at that point where he was looking up to me and asking me questions about how the product was working in the field and and I had something to say to this incredibly intelligent intern at my company um but being that close to the R&D is what started the process for me to be able to really understand because I love puzzles. I wanted to understand how does this work then? What is the broader story? What is what is DNS? What does that mean? What does that mean, you know, beyond the email story? Um, what is a, an email, you know, architecture look like as it relates to a Microsoft environment? Well, then what are the security, other security tools that'll be used in that same environment? So I had to understand, and I didn't necessarily have to understand every aspect of the cybersecurity space at that time, but I wanted to, because I wanted when I was uh, working with global CISOs to be able to, to let them know in priority why this mattered um, and why it should be in the, the stack of 100 um, projects or uh, things that they wanted to accomplish for their company and their business objectives from a cybersecurity perspective in a year, I wanted to be able to tell a very good story about why this makes a lot of sense to do this. And I couldn't have done that if I didn't really, really understand the entire space from a practitioner perspective. So I go slowly at that time, not even realizing it, kind of doing the job of like, a, you know, a, what a, a lot of people call like a solutions architect or a, uh, you know, one of the, the security architects at a global company, because I would make sure that they know exactly where this fit into their overall um, objectives for the company from a cybersecurity perspective. So that's how it started. Um, but yeah, I would encourage, you're not wrong. The walls are very thick between the sales, marketing, and practitioner side. Um, and if somebody wants to do it, they just have to start doing it. And in demonstrating the value that you're bringing to, you know, a global CISO, well, eventually then, you know, your, your bosses and your, your peers. And I, when I say peers, I say anyone in the cybersecurity industry, um, start noticing that as well. Another thing that I did was volunteer, um, as much as I could for organizations where I would be able to be a peer to the practitioners and really learn by sitting next to them. So one of the things I did was I started volunteering with the CISO of the year program in Chicago. Program. Have you been, have you been to some sure. of those? Sure. Oh, I be coming from Chicago. I know the program yeah. well and, and Wayne yeah. and the people that, uh, that put it all together. Yeah, yeah. no, it's a so wonderful program. And unlike, unlike any other CISO of the year program I've seen around the country. It's very um, unique to Chicago for sure. And, and, and you understand too, that once you're a part of that community, you have a seat at the table. You know, I wasn't looked at differently um, because I, you know, was technically working for, you know, an email security company or something at the time, or a, you know, an incident response company. Um, there was still a peer-to-peer a -peer, uh, perspective, and that happened over time. And the ability to just, um, <laughs> yeah, and just want to be able to, you know, do your best and 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 contribute back to uh, the broader community. But um, outside of that, though, I mean, that's that's unique. Um, I think for people listening. Listening to this program, um, you know, ISSA, ISACA, um, 
broader organizations, um, even the, you know, the CI, the Orbi uh, community, uh, the CIO community, um, another great place to be able to volunteer or sponsor or do something where you're sitting there. But the biggest one for me was the ISACs, um, having the ability to attend as an attendee, the financial services ISAC and the healthcare ISAC and the aviation ISAC uh, were for me critical. Because while all my peers that were still in sales were um, drinking late at night and then sleeping through half the morning, maybe. No, I don't know if that happened or not, actually. I have no idea if that happened. <laughs> That's bad. But um, point is, um, I... Uh, I I would uh, go attend the sessions and sit next to, um, you know, the CISO for a, a pharmaceutical company or the CISO from a major airline and ask them questions after the briefing and say, how did that, how did that resonate with you? What are you going to take back to your organization? Is this something that, you know, you talk about with your team, um, even from a leadership perspective, mm -hmm. you know, is this how you would lead your team, you know, in, in these industries and again, slowly getting through and crashing through that wall um, that does exist within the industry. And I just say the tenacity and just the ability to, yeah, be uncomfortable because it is, you know, there is a, there is a moment where someone says, what are you doing here? Do you, you know, do you belong here? You know, yes, I do. I do belong here. And I still say anyone who's still in sales, yeah, you do belong in the conversation because you're bringing something very important to an organization. So if somebody is derogatory toward us, someone who's in a sales role, if they're good at it, they understand what that means to the company. And that's valuable to me as a CISO now when I'm able to go back and, and go to a, a really good salesperson who understands our industry, that's incredibly valuable. And I, I, I want to make sure that people... Um, you know, continue to take the advice from uh, those folks who are spending time doing that and not look down on them just because they happen to have a sales role. Well, I really appreciate that insight as somebody who came up, I one part of the problem in that I came up through information security from infrastructure 27 years inside the walls. And so having that perspective of how people continue to break through helps me be a better hiring manager too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that was the thing too. When I sat down with Pat Peterson, I um, I flew out a, on a, like a Friday uh, or Thursday. It was a Thursday morning, five thirty in the morning flight. I printed out the uh, job description. I'd never worked for a startup before. I look. I wrote notes, you know, along the way of, okay, yeah, I can do that. And I, yep, I could do that because even within CDW, do you think that most people were doing satellite communication stuff at CDW at that time? No, no. Um, but I was able to find that niche and be entrepreneurial. And by the way, I had a great mentor there um, who gave me the um, bandwidth to be able to do some things that were outside of the normal. I felt like I would, had my own little business I was running within this broader organization. Um, I couldn't have been as successful doing that without a mentor um, during that, that time at CDW. Um, but I was writing down like, oh yeah, you know, I don't have startup experience, but I was writing out everything. The only thing that I didn't have was, um, the, I didn't do, I've never used uh, G Suite email <laughs> or apps. I literally, as I went through the day, I interviewed with, you know, all of the, the CTO and the, you know, the CMO and the VP of sales and, um, you know, a peer interview, I think. And, um, you know, at the, by the end of the day, everyone was slowly like, 
really like her. I think I really like her. And then when Pat comes into the room and, you know, I, I had shown him like, I don't, I have all of this. I think I can do this job. I don't know. Um, but uh, I, I don't know anything about, you know, Google applications. And I think at the end of that interview after, especially after getting all the feedback from the people that had interviewed me throughout the day, they were like, you do have the, yes, you absolutely. And not only that, they were going to interview eight people in Chicago the next week. They were going to fly out to Chicago. Um, that was another one where it's the gumption. I knew they were going to do that. So that's why I flew out. I was like, actually, I'm free on Thursday. Um, I think it was December 3rd. I remember. I don't know why. Um, I can do that. I can fly out. Yeah. And I flew out and then I flew back on the ride. But they offered me the job before, like, before I even left the office, having eight people that they were going to hire the next week. Um, but if I had waited, I would have just, you know, again, been kind of part of that crowd. And, and also, if I had second-guessed myself anymore, um, I clearly wouldn't have shown up to that interview, but what's funny is, of course, I was qualified for that. Did I work? Did I have the check mark? Did I, you know, that I had worked for a startup before? No. Was I their top performing salesperson? Yes. <laughs> so Pat Peterson taking a, a chance on me, uh, every one of the people that interviewed me that day, taking a chance on me and saying, you know, I say taking a chance, but really they didn't. They saw the value in the work that I had done to that point. So um, to answer your question, I think that way as well is looking, kind of reading between the lines and the people that are sitting across the desk from you when you're doing those interviews is, well, sure, she, you know, she or he or they did not work at a, at this exact company before, but that's why we're, we're hiring them. We want them to bring this new perspective and this passion and the, the diversity, you know, the diversity of their experience um, to the table for, um, you know, that, that type of, uh, engagement. So, yeah, that's, uh, I thought that was a really great question that you asked about the, the hiring, uh, piece, because I think that too often, um, people look for that check mark. And by the way, before I got the job, I, I got now uh, a large company that you've heard of, um, didn't hire me because I didn't have a check mark of, from an HR perspective, um, managing people in the exact way that they wanted me to have managed those people. And I thought, okay, that's kind of ridiculous. Um, but if that's the check mark you need, um, go ahead. But at the same time, I was thinking in the back of my mind, and this comes back to a little bit for me, it's, you know, when we look at DEI issues, for me, it was a little bit of, a, it was a gender issue for me. Sure. When I was 29, were my peers who are not as good as me, who are not my gender being promoted very quickly into management roles and managing people? Yes. So was there a shift in the industry where, you know, so 10 years later, you're telling me that you can't hire me because I don't have this check mark. But would I be better than that person who just left another job managing people and left because they did it poorly? Would you you're, you'd rather hire them because they did they did that job already, but even if they did it poorly, I thought that was really interesting. And that happened to me within the last two years. So it still happens all the time. So I really, really appreciate you shedding light on really looking at the individual human being sitting across the desk from you and looking for um, whether or not they are cultural fit and, a, a, you know, and, a, and have the same passion for your business that you do. But yeah, they absolutely don't always have to have every single check mark. But if you don't have 15 years of Kubernetes experience, you can't work here. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the blinders. Yeah. So. yeah. That's like asking for 40 years of Sarbanes-Oxley. Exactly. Um, you know? <laughs> it's not physically possible, but I've but, seen it on Rex. But you know what? Like, there could be a unicorn, the one that time travels. So... <laughs> And they should definitely be hired. Yes. Right. Like if you figured out time travel, then you should get every job. 
But if yes, I figured out time job. travel, 2022 is not the year I'm coming back to. No. <laughs> that's such a great, that's another pot. Let's do that podcast. I want to do that next. Right. <laughs> So one of the things that we talk about a little bit um, uh, on MentorCore podcasts are well-being. Like, how do you find your own wellness? How do you work on that for the people that you work with? Like, what is your what is your current plan way that you look at this? Yeah, I mean that that's such a great question, and I think it's really timely. Uh, this is Mental Health Awareness Month, um, uh, so I, you know, I've I've entered you know, a lot of my LinkedIn feed. You know, has a lot of really helpful tips. I, you know, I practice mindfulness. Um, I meditate uh, at least once a day. Um, I tr I try to work out. Uh, I think the word try is ridiculous. It's kind of like hope. Hope is not a strategy. <laughs> try. <laughs> Try is well, not. then you clearly haven't been in information security. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, right. I hope it's not ready. Um, so yeah, those things. That was that one was uh, from a little nugget from Steve Bell would say that all the time. Another one of my great mentors. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think it's really important to take that five minutes. Um, like I said, I'm a single mom, too. So I'm balancing all of the things for my children, um, you know, balancing a, a pretty, you know, stressful um job, a job I love, obviously, but still stressful. It means a lot of responsibility. Um, so I, I do think that, you know, finding something that makes you um, whole and happy for one of those other things for me is playing my guitar. I mentioned that uh, clubhouse room I went into. I also played a little Ani DeFranco, you know, a little 90s music, you know, go back into here. Uh, whatever space you need to be to, to feel like uh, you've been able to take a mental break. Um, and so it, it's different for everyone. Um, I, I wish mine was more uh, going for a run. That would be great. I would probably be in better shape. Uh, but for me, it's, yeah, it's music, it's meditation, and it's, um, it's you know, taking the time to really look at my children and what they're doing. I mean, watching my son, my nine-year-old play flag football, um, I love it. And I find a lot of, uh, a lot of just peace, peace in that watching my son who's a junior in high school play a lacrosse game um that to me I just find so much joy people ask what your hobbies are I'm like um Ethan Charlie and Jackson right <laughs> because I just I thoroughly in, enjoy uh, watching them uh move through their life and the opportunities that I get to do that and I'm really thankful for um the companies that don't mind when I sign out at four o'clock to be able to go to my kids football game on a, a four you know a Friday night um, so those things I think are really important for all of us in this industry and to remember again the individual that's working for you as a human being <laughs> that needs that that time out in their life, whatever it is. Um, if someone needs to go to the, a yoga class in the middle of a Thursday and it doesn't interfere with their work. Um, again, it's it's you know making sure that companies are being you know mindful about uh, the needs of their employees as human beings, and I think that yeah it's very timely. I'm glad you asked that question because um, I've appreciated a lot of the conversations that I've had uh, with people recently and and um, various companies that are even taking. Um, there's a company I can't remember which one it is. It's a third party management company, but I I know their their CEO through via LinkedIn. But um, they do a mental just do a mental health day uh, for the company just mm -hmm. randomly once in a while, and I just think that is it's amazing for a, a CEO to make that commitment to their um, their company to say you deserve this and take it and, and don't open your computer today please or you're in trouble you know I think it's it's just so important to have that that time that separation uh, from the job because it can be very very taxing especially now that I'm on the practitioner side I really get the what keeps you up at night um, scenario because there are a lot of things that keep me up at night and so I need that time.
Yeah, I couldn't agree more in this field. You've got to you've got to separate out or it'll 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 get the best of you. So thank you, Katie, for all these great insights. We're unfortunately at the end of our time already. Um, and so I want to ask you the question we ask everybody that comes through. Um, tell me what the best advice you've ever received from a mentor is. You know what? I mentioned it earlier and I, I just have to reiterate um, being uh, comfortable, being uncomfortable. Um, that for me is, is hard. Um, I, I grew up in a small, in a little Illinois town, um, very polite, proper, you know, I've spent a ton of time with my grandmother. So of that generation, um, you know, trying, being uncomfortable, putting myself in, you know, in positions like that uh, professionally goes against everything that I've ever been told about being sweet and quiet and not assertive and not bossy and all these, you know, things that unfortunately previous generations use those words. And they, you know, it's possible they felt that way, even though they loved me a lot. Um, you know, but, but being raised by, with that background for me, um, when, when a mentor said to me, you know, just that I, that their feedback to me was just be more, more comfortable being uncomfortable, Katie, and you're going to be fine. And I took it and I ran with it and it changed my life really. Wow. I'm sorry. Well, the survey says you've already used that answer. Please try again. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> no, I have, no, I have I one last one uh, that you, that we, that's a little funnier. Well, <laughs> go, go for, for it. it. I was joking, but if you've got something else, go I have for one it. last one. Um, Yes, one of my, how do you eat an elephant? With a fork. One bite at a time. <laughs> um, it's also super helpful. And it's funny, it's a funny one, but I, I do think about it a lot. Um, so yeah, not only being comfortable, being uncomfortable, but understanding that things sometimes do take time and to take them sequentially and in order and and to understand that it's not uh, always a sprint and it's a marathon and, and this industry is constantly changing. You can't know everything uh, on day one. And anyone who says that they do is ridiculous because you don't know what just was released yesterday. What, you know, the, and so for me, that's the other piece is just the continual learning and understanding that if I don't know everything uh, today, it doesn't mean that um, I can't achieve what I need to achieve for my, my company, my clients, etc. Love it. Well, thank you for joining us, Katie. It's been great having you. Um, you can find Katie on LinkedIn. Any other place that you like people to find you, Katie? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at, at Katie Hanahan and then also on Clubhouse every Wednesday night with you in the fireside chat. Um, and, and there I'm at Kay Hanahan. Uh, I use my real name on Clubhouse. Some people don't, um, but feel free to, to follow me there for you know other uh, cybersecurity rooms, cybersecurity related rooms and and um, and other uh, mental health awareness uh, type rooms as well that, are, that relate to our industry. Thanks so much for being here and thanks to everybody for listening. Uh, we'll see you again on the next Venture Corps.